was curry paste didn't put curry paste on so then I went back onto the app and went curry paste and it added like 23 calories onto me fucking day and I was like right now I am one I'm a piece now because now Nom knows how many calories I had on Thursday fucking prick Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. I'm your host, Tebs, bringing you this week a uh, uh, a nice Korean Korean zombie barbecue with Train to Busan. But of course, I couldn't do it without my executive host. You could. <laughs> you really could. <laughs> I couldn't do this without you. You're the talent. I've told you this before. I do the heavy lift. If I'm the talent, there's fucking something wrong. Oh, dear. So what's uh, another week in paradise? Oh, cleanse. Cleanse and... Clean. Well, do you know what the one thing about but they don't tell you? Well, I suppose really it's you know, rudimentary. Don't eat as much. Don't don't go to the toilet as much. I mean, the other way around. You know, I'm talking to number twos. But Yeah, no, we can... all gathered. We all, all right, gathered okay. what you meant. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> we know what but... happens to food. Food turns into poop. <laughs> we get it gone. But... Guess what happens water, Paul? Guess what happens when you drink four litres of water a day? You probably piss like a racehorse. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I was actually I was on my I was on my do you remember do you know these like American movies where you see like the the feet all the females out doing their power walking? You know, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. That's what I do now, right? So I try to walk like ten thousand to fifteen thousand steps a day, right? So after this podcast, I will be like trudging and slapping the streets of Lisbon, giving it the. But do you know what the main problem is? I drink so much water throughout the day, right? About halfway on my on my walk, I am busting the piss, and I am oh, conscious. Yeah. I am conscious that there, obviously, with the lockdown things they got there, there are a lot more police on the streets. So I don't want to be caught pissed up against someone's fence. So I have to walk. I have to walk within a mile radius of the house. So I walk down cul-de-sacs on the pave everywhere, and I make sure that I get my ten to fifteen thousand steps a day. So I have to be close to home at all times. And I'm not even joking. Five or six times I've had to run to the front door and run through the door, and all I can hear from Rachel is piss, piss. <laughs> you know, I I truly believe it's mid thirties, and everyone jokes on about you know getting that age and stuff but seriously from mid 30 onwards you've got to like when you're going out you've got to think am i going to need a piss before i get there oh yeah and it it kind of like when you when you're younger it's like i'll have a piss tomorrow it'll be fine And as soon as you're at 35 you start thinking can i get to where i'm going without needing a pee my life now revolves around I don't want to be caught short having a piss. I, d- I don't drink at airports anymore because I don't want to piss on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't drink within an hour going for a walk because I don't want to have to come back to fucking come back to the house to take a piss. Everything is revolving around piss. Even going to bed, it's like, I don't need to go. <laughs> I'm going to force, force out any few droplets of urine. I can't. That's, that's what I just so... did before I came on here. <laughs> just... <laughs> And I was like, I was like watching the trailers and stuff. I was, I actually sat on the toilet to watch the trailers. And I was like, I right, watch the trailers. I'll, I'll try and make sure every wee squirts out before I get back into the podcast. Because I'm, I'm still gonna have to go in twenty minutes. 
So, um, <laughs> speaking of piss. <laughs> now, um, trailers. Let's start Yay. with some trailers, as always. Uh, who should we start with? Let's start with Pixar. Luca. The story of uh, the young boy and his friend who uh, are in some little Italian town and suddenly they turn into sea monsters. <laughs> That's about right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. As you do. After these Pixar sort of friendship, love, happiness, Italy, you know, and then suddenly they turn into sea monsters and they can't get wet or else it shows their true form. And I, I think business. the last the, the last lot of, of Pixar movies have become very Disney movies. Like you can you can tell when the change happened. Coco, Coco was the change. So now they're going for more. I know they're changing the sea monsters, but they're going more for real people rather than other things. Yeah, I thought that from up, from about upwards. Oh, no. Yeah, they did. Um, they did uh, Inside Out. I know, but from up, it the kind of went more sort of. They really went for the heartstrings. They really yeah. wanted to talk, tell stories about what people are going through. You know, it's no longer sort yeah. of fantasy like The Incredibles or toys or things. This is, you know, it's telling stories about. Depression. And, yeah, and it's funny that every single movie like that is a is a sequel. <laughs> every single, you know, we've had, you know, Incredibles 2, up to Toy Story 4, you know, Finding Earth Dory, you know, we've every cars, whatever, cars, Infinity. 50, you know, yeah, yeah. So every every I think Pixar kind of stopped going to the well with what Pixar were known for, and now they're more of a Disney company. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and again, that's not saying that's wrong. That's not saying that's bad because you know, been a, like, you know, what's that? Um, what was that Rapunzel movie? Um, Tangled. Tangled was amazing. Uh, Moana was amazing. Moana you know, was but, fantastic. Yeah, but, but again, that was that was a Disney movie though. That one Pixar was it? Yeah, no, no, no. That's what I mean. Like, there's been a lot of good yeah. Disney movies. I'm I'm not the crying, you know, because Pixar have moved into this kind of element of Disney that it's bad, you know. But I think Pixar should just stick to what made Pixar good and then leave Disney to do the emotional heartstring movies. Toys and cars and monsters and bugs. And, yeah. Yeah. Tell children's stories rather than, yeah. I've got to admit, look, I've said this a thousand times, Pixar aren't making films for me. I'm a single yeah. bloke with no kids. They're not making films for me. So if kids go yeah. see them and enjoy you them, say, then they're the You job. say that though. You say that though. But Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, and uh, to the last extent, Toy Story 4 were all made for me. Up was made for me. Wally was made for me because that's why Pixar hit the fucking you know the magic formula because all those films were as much a kids movie as it was a adults movie and that's where they hit the formula you know I'm not I'm not saying things like Coco or anything was Inside Out was not for me Inside Out was not a, a movie for me Coco definitely was a movie for me Coco was an amazing film I lo- I thought See, Coco I've never was seen brilliant. Coco but Inside Out resonated more with me because it, no. it was more about um, mental a young and, a young girl's a young girl's life yeah we all know Paul ah uh, right we all know that you're a young Mexican boy yeah we get it don't worry because <laughs> it always works like that doesn't it wow you didn't need to go there I'm trying to open my soul here I, not, the, when... not the podcast <laughs> <laughs> what was have you seen Inside Out I have I didn't like it spoiler alert for Inside Out what was the name of the elephant thing a best friend Bingo yeah, he, don't tell me you didn't feel anything when what happened to Bingo. Nothing. 
not no he, he committed he committed suicide <laughs> you're heartless <laughs> bastard gave his let's life. not get past this let's he not get past his it. life to give bring joy to her he Fuck got he, that. <laughs> he committed suicide how am i do i was going bingo no <laughs> no why the, the fuck did they let him kill himself? He, he used his last ounce of strength to kill himself. To do something which would bring joy and happiness, even if he meant he wasn't there. That spoke to me. You. Fuck that. All right, then. Let's talk about zombies then in Las Vegas instead, because uh, Zach, Zach has got a new film coming out through Netflix. Uh, the <laughs> Where has he got the time? The screenplay is, uh, is written by Zach. And uh, and Shea Hatton and Joby Harold, but uh, Zach has directed Army of the Dead for Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave Batista, uh, Ella Pernell, Ana de la Reguero, and many other people are in this. And this is Zach. This is Zach's vision of zombies. He was <laughs> How long is five. it? Ten hours. Um, we haven't got. A, let's have a look. Ten hours and one minute and twenty-three seconds, probably. Has he complained yet that his uh, creativity has been stifled? Uh, no, I think they're going to wait and see what the reaction is like from the people who are watching it first before the before he decides whether his creativity has been stifled this time. But uh, it sounds decent enough. It sounds a good premise. A team of mercenaries going to a zombie-infested Las Vegas to steal money. I'm all up for that. But yeah, are we just I'm... is it just going to be lots of slow motion shooting and weird uh, old old songs played in slow motion over the top of people in black and white. I don't, I just think it's all about him now rather than the, the film. Well, that's, that's the amazing thing. Do you, do you think that anybody, any of these DC fanboys will automatically go to Netflix and watch this because it's Zack Snyder? Cause I don't think they will. No, they'll, if they don't have Netflix, they'll pirate. I, I, I can't don't believe they will. I, th- I think this DC fanboy thing with, with Zack Snyder will, only last within that DC universe. Well, we're going to come on to that in a minute, but uh, Army of the Dead is out on Netflix, um, 21st of May. Cost 70 to 90 million. Um, hey, I'm going to watch it, but like I say, I'm getting a bit sick of hearing about Zack Snyder, but then again, we are a podcast. We talk about him nearly every week, so maybe that's our own fault. So, what news have we got this week for you? What can I be tempted? Oh, yeah. Neil Blomkamp has announced that he is writing and directing District 10, the sequel to District 9. And I sent him a personal message on Twitter to say, please don't overdo it. Now, I had to be short with my words because this is Twitter. But what I meant to say to him was, don't throw money at it. Don't overblow it. Don't turn it into some overblown because District 9 was so great with its simplicity and its minimal use of great CGI. And if they're going to start going into space and having swarms and stuff like that, I just I think it'll overdo it. I think it'll ruin what the original was. But well, do you think this is maybe Neil Bluecamp, Bluecamp's last throw of the dice here? Why'd you say that? Well, let's be honest. Chappie was shit, and Elysium <laughs> was sh- was shit. Um, the you know so he he's just harking back to you know a movie that probably should have been made six years ago. Well, it came out in what 2012? 2011, 2012, Yeah. No, District Nine was like two thousand and nine. Really? Yeah, District Nine was, was way before. It was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, 
I'm getting my dates mixed up. Yeah, 2009. So Neil Blomkamp, he was supposed to be bringing out a, an Aliens um, sequel with Ripley and Michael Bean. What was his name? Hicks. And it was mm. supposed to be one of these sort of reboots from, in, you know, ignoring everything after Alien 3 happened and he does his own sequel moving forward. And that never got off the ground. And there's constantly rumours about that. But Neil Blomkamp is done, like you say, did Chappie. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He tried to get a Halo film. He did a Halo short short film at one point. Tried. Tried, yeah, okay. Uh, but then he got District 9, Lisa and Chappie. But you know what? Since then, there's nothing that I'd look at and go, you know what? That was a big, a big hit. No, there's not that. Like, let's be honest. District 9 is his one and only hit. That's it. Like, it's, not, it's not, like you cannot say Elysium was a hit. You can't say Chappie was a hit. Like, I'm not, and listen, fucking Neil Camp's done more in his career than I'll ever fucking do in, you know, in my lifetime, in 20 lifetimes. So I'm not going to decry him like anything. But no. it just, it screams, it screams to me that, you know, he is going back, he is going back to the District 9 well when he could have done this six years ago. He could have, could have, he could have, you know, timed it well. Well, how many years at the end? <clears throat> What years? At the, at the end of the movie, he said, didn't he say he'd be back in like eight years? Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been perfect, wasn't it? But I think, look, I for one, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And if, he, if he's still got that touch, still got that flair, can make a sequel, I just hope it's not one of these. Again, it's going back, like you say, it's one of these films or it's one of these TV shows that are going back to the well of something that should have finished many years ago and they're just trying to reboot it just to get people watching their streaming service. Speaking yeah. of which, Paramount Plus are reviving Frasier for a brand new series. <laughs> Jesus, that's what so, the world needs. This is what he spent um, basically, it's about 20 years, 20 years, 18 years since Frasier was on. Um, really? Is it of, that long? Is it that long ago? Winner of 18 um, uh, Emmy nominations, six. Um, excuse me, six, uh, sorry, a Tony Award winner, 18 Emmy nominations, eight Golden Globe nominations, and 16 Screen Actors Guilds. Um, only only 18 nominations? Apparently. Let me have a look. That's according to Variety. But yeah, so Frazier, you want it, apparently this is him coming back in a new city with none of the original cast, a whole new team, a whole new cast. And I put on Twitter before, who can say out of... I mean, yeah, Frasier was a great character, but whenever you watch Frasier, whose favourite character was Frasier? It was always Niles or his dad or even the fucking dog yeah, people. Marty, Marty, it, Marty, was Marty and Roz. Roz as well. Everyone and Daphne, you know, all these great characters kind of just made him better because of his pomposity to the surroundings. And, and all he's got to do is find... And, do you remember in Joey? went from New York to Los Angeles and he had his own spin-off show from Friends. Mm-hmm. And he had like the one geek friend and he had one other friend and the one neurotic female friend. It was kind of like they just tried to get the exact same sort of thing going with the different characters. And I think they're going to do this with him. He's going to be living like with his great uncle who has his comfy chair and his cousin. His great uncle? There'll be something like that. There'll be something <laughs> like that. They'll have some, there'll be a relative in there. Peter Boyle, is he still alive? Is Peter Boyle still It'll with be us? his son. It'll be his sons. He's moving in with his ah, sons. Yeah. That'll be it. 
yeah and he'll be they'll be like the oh god yeah this is practically right here here listen bb newerth is still a cracking looking bird as well so i'm very very happy that i'm going to see her again frazier finished in 2004 they must be confident i mean kelsey Graham is fantastic but he's been doing a lot of shit recently i don't even know what he does now it was in money plane with edge from what? wwe <laughs> what the fuck is money plane you've never seen money plane <laughs> is it like money train with woody harrelson and wesley types it's that money train did edge did edge and kelsey Grammer like they were adopted brothers and they do one last heist on a plane. You know what? You're not that far off. We're going to have to do money playing at some point because I want you to... <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, everybody, go and watch money playing. <laughs> I'll tell you something. <laughs> in a bit. So, uh, yeah, okay. Well, look, I'm looking forward to that one. Now, um, what else have we got? Spider-Man has got a new title, Spider-Man 3, after... Um, all the actors were on Twitter and Instagram leaking fake titles all day long. The um, very original Spider-Man No Way Home is the title of the third film. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so moving <laughs> on. I don't know what to say. It's, it's a mean, look, title. Mm. He's on the run. He's on, he's yeah, he's on, on the run. run. He's, yeah, he's well, I, don't the, think, I, don't, I don't think he's on the run. Because, you know, I don't think S.H.I.E.L.D. would allow one of their prize assets to be on the run. But I think it's he, he can't go home, you know, because everyone, everyone knows just... him. Yeah. I saw one person um, said, uh, seeing as though it's been filmed during the pandemic, it should be Spider-Man, stay at home. <laughs> but do you, know what my, do you know what my thing is about it, right? Which, which Marvel superhero hasn't let their identity out? Um, well, Spider-Man was one of the last ones. It was the yeah, last tell one. Yeah, but tell me another one. No, no, that was every, the thing about the MCU. Everybody, everybody knew Tony Stark. Everybody knew yep. where, uh, Captain America. Captain America Thor, had a museum to him. Yeah, Thor is Thor. Uh, even, Ant, even Ant-Man was in the cafe going, I'm Ant-Man. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Ant-Man, no, people know him. But name me one Marvel superhero. No. That, that, there's, there's none. No. And that <clears> was the thing. fucking deal. Well, that was the thing with uh, the MCU. They they've always just let the secret identities out, and and I think people were waiting for Spider Man's to be announced. And like you say, it's why is everyone so bothered other than the fact that he's just a teenage boy? But there's nothing startling. It's not like his Iron. It's not like his Tony Stark. Isn't Tom Holland like forty now? He's <laughs> about forty eight year old. Yeah, yeah, like he's forty, like. It's probably older than Toby Maguire was when <laughs> Toby Maguire. Well, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's just. Nah, he's it's about twenty. He's about twenty. Looks about thirteen. Okay, big news of the week then. Um, Warner Brothers have announced that um, JJ Abrams will be producing Abrams. New, Abrams, sorry, Abrams will be producing uh, a new Superman film, written by Ty Nese Coates who is best known for best-selling books uh, Between the World and Me and The Water Dancer. And he's also written some comic books as well, um, uh, including Captain America and Black Panther titles. So he's going over to DC. J.J. Uh, Abrams will be producing this for Warner. Um, and there's a lot of rumour saying that this is going to be the first black Superman we get 
on screen. Uh, I would say so. I would yeah. say so. Yeah. It's 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 time. <laughs> I don't know. I know there's other there's Sorry, other supermen in the universe in the multiverse. You know there are other supermen, and I don't know enough about them, so I'm not going to sort of start talking about them. But I know there's other two other multiverses where there is a black Superman. One was sort of born on a farm or whatever, raised on a found on a farm, and there's another guy who was president, who was Superman and president of the United States. So you know there is precedent for him to do stuff. Um, it re- I don't like, know why the outcry. Should- but should we re- like? I, I, we all know what's coming. Like we all know what's coming if it happens. Like we, every single one of us knows what happens when it's coming. But should should it even be a topic for discussion anymore that we we discuss the ethnic background of a character and their you know uh, their abilities to play certain roles? Like, are we are we that surprised anymore when you know? A, a, a Chinese American, you know, can get this, or you know, an, an African American can get that, or you know, a Native American person can do this. Is is it is it that far of a reach for some people that these people, you know, again, these people in, in quotes. I wish I could. This is an audio medium, not a visual medium. You know, yep. that that these people exist in the world. Like it, it genuinely, genuinely doesn't make a lick of sense to me why th- this is still an issue. Plain devil's advocate, people have been raised to know Superman as this white muscle. You know, if it was played by... Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go there. But people have been raised to to know and understand that that character looks that way. And if people are doing it because that person is best for the role, like you say, it shouldn't be an issue. But people are, play, are forcing the argument that they're saying they are only casting a black person to appease people. Now, for me, if, they, if they're doing that, then it's wrong. If they think, wow, Michael B. Jordan would be fantastic as Superman and we can tell this story, let's do it. Fantastic. I, I don't think it should. If people are using an argument saying, oh, it's doing just to appease people, make people feel better, then no, that's bollocks. But if there's a story there to tell, then absolutely. I just, I just don't, I just don't think it should. You know, if it's if it's written within the story, if it's going to be, you know, whatever an odd world, you know, Superman. If it's going to be a real world Superman, if it's going to be, you know, whichever. I, I just think that at the end of the day, say <laughs> la vie, you know, whatever. The black person should oh, be yeah. Superman, whatever. Black man should be Thor. You know, comic book characters changed, you know, throughout their entire history just because you know, the character has always been white doesn't mean that the character has to stay white. That's that's my my thing. Comic characters change from year to yeah. year. You know, it doesn't always have to be a white person. But even with Nick Fury, that's the change in Nick Fury because of Samuel Jackson. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I'm I'm rereading. I'm rereading a lot of the stuff. Like I knew Nick Fury was was white in, in the comic books. Um, because, and I also know Nick Fury was white because I watched that fucking awful David Hasselhoff movie. Yeah. Because he yeah. made he made a really early nineties the fucking Nick Fury movie and it was fucking shit. Um, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, but I was reading I was reading an X Man comic from like ninety three in bed the other day and Nick Fury was there and it popped into my head and I was like, why is was there never an outcry when Samuel L Jackson was playing Nick Fury? Yeah. Like he's probably I... the most the most pro- is it is it because. Nick Fury wasn't that well known in the MCU. 
And most people would have might have thought that, that Nick Fury was black in, in, to See, start with. The, the way I was trying to explain it before, right? If you've got a character like... God, I'm, I'm, I'm treading carefully here with this, so I just want to be respectful. But you've got a character like James Bond, right? Uh-huh. And you know that he is Scottish, born to rich blue blood parents who won her in the Navy and he was an admiral in the Navy. If you put a black actor as James Bond, then the argument is, oh, that's not right for the character. Me personally, I couldn't give a shit because he's yeah. still going to shoot people and stuff. I don't, I don't get it. But they're, don't... but they're living, they're living that... out the fantasy that James, Bo- sorry, that James Bond was. It, it's still back in the the nineteen forties and fifties. It's, it's not. Yeah. No. You know, I'm trying, to, like, I'm trying yeah. to play devil's advocate by sort of going over some of the arguments online and you know, arguments that have come out by, by people saying, well, you can't have a black Superman. And where they say, oh, because he was raised in Kansas. So what, what the fuck's that got to do with anything? And then and I read another change, person. Change, where, change where he was fucking from. You can't have a, another person said, um, you can't have a black Bruce Wayne because in 80s America, you'd never get a billionaire black man. I'm <laughs> right. reading but these. It's not, it's not 80s anymore. I know, I was reading these and I'm just like, is that it? Is that your argument? You just don't want a black man playing Batman. I don't get it. I really don't. I look, you know, you play a black guy playing Superman. And again, like I say, if this is the studio saying, let's do it to appease people, then that's the wrong intention. If they're just saying, look, we've got a great actor who would be a really cool Superman, let's do it, then all for it. And JJ Abrams as to I think he'll nail this anyway. Because yeah. he was talking about doing, was it flyby? Yeah. Superman flyby not so long ago. So he's obviously got a story there. So I'm all for it. Listen, I, I, you know me and JJ. I fucking love JJ Abrams. You know, I think that he can bring anything to it. I, I literally watched two Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond yesterday to one after <laughs> one after the other. You know, I would watch Super Eight uh, every once in a while. I think it's, the end's a bit shite, but throughout the, yeah. the movie, you know, I think when you're looking at the Duffer brothers and they look at, you know, Super 8, that's probably where they oh, get yeah. their, they get their fucking Stranger Things from. 100%. Um, you know, and even Force Awakens, probably, you know, it's one of the better Star Wars movies. Yeah. It's in top three. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think creation things with JJ get off the ground. And I'm, I, I no, don't I get off the ground. You get it? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't like this fucking sh- I don't like this fucking shit where we have to start another Superman, you know, cycle all over again. Yeah, I mean, look, there's the other, there's the other argument then. Why aren't we just keeping Henry Cavill? Is is it that he don't want to do it? Is it that the studio don't want him? Is it well, that Abrams doesn't want him? I, like, I, I'm interested now to see where they go with with this whole DC stuff because. When this movie, I, I think them allowing this movie to go forward, you know, the four-hour, you know, operatic vision of Zack Snyder, I think this does it a massive injustice in what they're actually trying to do. They should have fucking drew a line underneath it and just ended it and then just went, right, we'll go back to the fucking drawing board again. Well, here's another thing then leading into that, because um, there's been a thing out today, I can't remember where it was from, but somebody was saying that um, apparently Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, ends on a major cliffhanger even mm. after four hours it ends on a cliffhanger and he would have carried that on into justice league 2 and apparently warner is saying no that's enough <sighs> so now we're gonna get 
another three or four years of people demanding Zack Snyder's Justice League too. And I think he, he's playing. He is playing to this. Of course he's he is. He's fires. Like, so he's made a four-hour, one-minute and 23-second movie, and he can't finish that story. Now, let me let me let us get this completely straight. He probably knew Warner Brothers' opinions before the end of this movie. Yes. Regardless, regardless of what was going to happen, he knew that this was going to happen, that they didn't want to make it Justice League 2 because they want to go back again and restart the fucking timeline all over again. And they yeah. want to try and go over the same ground again, get new people in and try and actually make you know good movies rather than shit movies. And so now he's going to fucking live off this for another five years. And what are we going to do? Are we going to keep fucking wheeling these actors out every five minutes? You know, fucking when Zack Snyder decides that this movie isn't good enough, uh, it wasn't good enough because uh, that light was in a wrong place. And it was a guy who came in and moved the light and I didn't want the light there. So um, I'm going to have to get them to make the movie again. Can I have another hundred million to remake the remake? Fuck off, Zack. Okay, right. Wonder, I'm, I'm not even enthusiastic for this. Wonder, Wonder Vision, Wonder Vision. I try to do the Chuckle <laughs> Brothers thing every week. And this is, <laughs> this irritated me. Wonder Vision. Episode eight, this irritated me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love, sorry, can I just, I love Marvel. I love the MCU. I'm going to watch every episode of this, every episode of Falcon. I'm going to watch every movie in the cinema, probably within the first two days it comes out. I love it all. This is pissing me off. Yeah. I, I 110% agree with you. And the, the, the one thing that's annoying me more than anything else is people, this is exactly why you know we've been complaining about people uh, in the the DCU for so long. You know, people have these blinkers on that they just think that anything Marvel turns out is going to be quality, and anything that they do turn out is quality regardless. And like I'm, I'm sitting watching this, going, "This is just this is just irritating me." Every week I'm watching it. Yes, yeah. we get we get to the final five minutes, and it it, it gives you the 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 meat that you want. And it's like, I, 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 this is not this is not what I want. It's not what I want. And listen, who are we to argue? There's a lot more people saying it's brilliant, you know what I mean, than what me and you are saying. They, a lot of people are saying this is brilliant. And I think these are a lot of people who love Olsen, who love Marvel, who love um, Disney. They, they yeah, but, are, but they, need, they need, but they need one division to be good. They need, not that they oh, want yeah. it to be good. They need it to be good. But they are the fans of this adore it. Best thing, oh my god, look at it, beautiful, amazing. The way the switched camera frames between old and new. Fuck I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's very clever. That's genius. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I've, I, and right, okay, I'm going to get into why I've I've got, actually got notes on one division this week because I forgot <laughs> the episode last week. Right. So, all right, let's go straight away. Retconning. Okay, Marvel and DC especially are notorious for the comic books being retconned, even restarting entire universes, spinning off into different universes, um, realigning somebody's powers, reimagining somebody's powers, uh, retelling somebody's origin. And they've done this with thousands of characters over the years. Okay, for me, if you that is because you've constantly keep getting different comic book writers and artists coming in and wanting to do their own thing. So they have to retcon it to fit with their story and bits get changed. You've got Kevin Feige in charge of Marvel Studios, Marvel MCU, and he knows the story going forward. So now we've been told all along, Wanda got her powers from the Infinite Stone. 
Mm-hmm. And now we're being told she was born a witch. So the, the affinity stone only amplified them. So was Pietro a witch as well? So why did he get powers from the same infinity stone? The retcon in it. We're going, I mean, the whole Scarlet Witch thing, fair enough, but why Agatha, why why were why were people so over the like not uh, over the moon is the wrong term. Like uh, forgive the terminology, but cream in their pants when she said you're the Scarlet Witch. I, like we, we all know she's the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Yeah, because somebody used the term Scarlet Witch. Oh, this yeah. is oh, this is great. I mean, you yeah. know, she's the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, but the, the, all the, the, the only reason because this is this was the first moment that they could refer to her as that. We all know she is, but they've never officially been allowed to refer to her as Scarlet Witch because of something to do with the, the Marvel Fox rights. I think it was they couldn't refer to them as. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, I think it was. Anyway, that's why that's why in Age of Ultron, um, Tony Stark said to somebody, you know, keep your mind clear that witch is playing with your mind or something. Mm-hmm. So it's little nods to it all along, but they're basically so anyway, so the retconning thing has really pissed me off because you've got Kevin Feige who's in charge. Now you've now got a situation where she's a witch all along. Now, if we have wizards, we have witches. I get that. Okay, but the Evan Peters as Quicksilver thing meant nothing. So not, well, the next episode is fifty minutes long, so after credits, it's probably going to be about 40, 40 minutes yeah. long, and like that. Okay, thirty-five minutes long. Now she was saying she was using him as a puppet all along, but yet he had super speed. But that's by the by. Agatha was using Evan Peters Quicksilver. Now, did she pick that person at random? Or did she go into a multiverse and pick out Fox's X-Man, you know? Now, if she's done it for a reason and she's gone into a multiverse, they've got 40 minutes to explain that next week. Yeah. 40 on top of ending this whole series. It's not going to happen. So it meant nothing. It was Marvel choosing that actor because it'd get people talking. It'd be a big bombshell. It'd be a big... Um, specul- so was, was this... Was this the... the- the appearance that they were talking about was no, Peters it? No, there's another one, and apparently this is somebody who, um, and I've spoken to somebody on Twitter about this, but Paul Betton has actually said quite well the most about this. Just let me find it on here, just one second. So, Paul Betton has said, um, it's a it's the person he's worked with, it's an actor I've longed to work with all my life. We have some amazing scenes together, and the chemistry between us, I think, extraordinary, and it's just fireworks on set. So I'm really excited for people to see that stuff. Now, you know what I think? And again, it's... Fastbender, Fastbender, Fastbender. Nah. We saw at the end of this episode, a 3D grey version of Vision get born. We know from Marvel that they love banter reveals. Fury's eye. Oh, what could it have been? All right, we can't scratch him. The Mandarin. Could he be an amazing terrorist? Nah, it's just an actor called Trevor. (laughs) Haha, banter. This... What if Paul Bettany is saying it's an amazing actor, it's somebody I've always wanted to work with, and it's him fighting himself on set? Yeah, you know what? It's, You're right. It's a red herring. It's a Marvel red herring. It's banter. Somebody says to Paul Bettany afterwards, "Who? Is, you said it's somebody you never worked with. Oh, I've never worked with myself. Haha, <laughs> Marvel banter. And it's getting annoying now. Because it's <laughs> it, that, it really is getting annoying, but I'm still going to watch next week. 
I still watch it. I still watch this one, and I'll watch season two if there's a season two, and I'll watch season three if there's a season three. Oh, there won't be a season three. Fuck no. I nah. This is. I think this is a one and done. This is a mini series. But for people to say this is the best TV show in years, it's not. And it's like, did you not see the Mandalorian or Mindhunter or Mindhunter? Or anything else, <laughs> <laughs> but you know this. This could have all been. I mean, we've got all the the bollocks about who's the this. What's the, the game? Hereward is it? Who's in charge of sword? Yeah, and he told everybody that her uh, wonder stole vision, mm-hmm. and people are saying, "Oh, why did he cover that up?" Well, it's because he doesn't want anybody to know he's got vision. Yeah, want anybody to know what he's doing. I, I just but, hate but there was but there was uh, there was footage of her taking vision remember yeah. and now he was now in the you know the the flashback and it's another episode where we've just gone two steps back and one step forward that's that's a big, what one division's been yeah there's a big bad lurking in the background uh, it's that rabbit we don't know who the big bad is but there's a big bad somewhere and it, it, it wants and like I say I'd love for it to be some big moment where this big bad comes in, but it's gonna be it's gonna be Cumberbatch falling through a hole in the roof covered in blood and just going, Come with me, Wanda. Somebody said there they went, How are they gonna wrap WandaVision up in 50 minutes? I said they're not. They might as well it'll finish. Yet, like you say, Doctor Strange is gonna come in through a portal, yeah. say to them both, Come with me, and then it'll zip off and it'll go find out what happens next in Doctor Strange 2. Because you need to keep going back for more of your crack. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks. And this is Scott Eisenberg. We're married. And we have a podcast called Shoot the Flick. Every week, Scott and I introduce each other to a new movie the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts. We want you guys to come along and enjoy the movies with us. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Come and listen to us now as Frankie and I Shoot, shoot the, the Flick! This week then, as, um, as a treat to myself for having put ourselves through music last week, um, I am introducing Cormac to a uh, a Korean dish this week. Uh, my one of my top, well, the best in my opinion zombie film ever. Um, one of the best foreign language films I've ever seen. Um, this is Train to Busan. Came out in 2016. Um, I, you haven't told me what you thought about this, and you've been keeping it secret from me all week. And I'm <laughs> desperate to know what you think because I absolutely adore this film. It's we'll talk about the film in a minute, but okay, break it to me. Did you enjoy Train to Busan? Let me caveat what I'm going to say by this. Right, I find it one of the most frustrating movies I have ever watched, to the point where. I was on the edge of my seat with my hands going through my hair, nearly pulling it out, going, what the fuck are you doing? Run. What the fuck are you doing? Stop looking at each other and fucking run. What the fuck? Why are you standing there? Run. (laughs) Now, there's that side, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and then there's the other side. It was a very good fucking movie. Oh yeah. You know, you know, it's like I always love when people say to me, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, the master of suspense. I, I was never suspenseful in ninety percent of Hitchcock's movies. Vertigo, no. Rear Window, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's suspense in those, but the suspense that was created in these movies, no. Mostly down to character stupidity. I will. I will one hundred percent say that. But yeah, I've got to admit the characters. The characters do sometimes seem to literally run into a a new set piece. They're not the smartest bunch, but there is there is a scene mid mid movie, isn't that when the, the train first stops and they get off and um, the the guy and his daughter break off to go to the mm-hmm. eastern side. Yeah, in Daeong, is it Daeong City? Yeah, there's a day break off. Yeah, so they break off. Suan and 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 uh, Wu, they kind of they kind of break off, and that whole sequence of the guy walking towards them and the homeless guy running up, and then when they find out that they're coming after them and they run, that yeah. entire sequence is one of the most in infuriating pieces of cinema that I think I have ever like the, your man trying to fucking close the lock the door just lock the fucking door and just, they keep pushing the door back and he keeps fucking pushing the door forward and tries to lock lock and then it cuts and then it goes somewhere else and then like 10 minutes later it comes back and they're still there and he's still trying to lock the fucking door and it's like just just lock the fucking thing Okay, so this was originally released back in 2016, um, directed by Young Sang Ho. Uh, his first live action film, he did a lot of animation before then. Um, but this is based around, um, I mean, well, I mean, we start with a, there's some kind of outbreak from a, a facility. There's always one of these dangerous facilities, isn't there, where there's guards on the gate, there's something dangerous but, going on. <laughs> but see, I like, I like the fact, I like the fact about this movie that it doesn't really explain that that much. No, you don't need that. Uh, yeah, don't, you don't. Yeah. You don't need. Yeah, you don't need to know all that stuff because that's the thing that I said to you last week. You know, is it a fucking zo- like Shakespeare reading zombie and stuff like that, or is it a fucking zombie movie? And yeah. this, this is the type of zombie movie that I like. See, when I first saw this, have I ever told you this? I've probably told you the story about when I first when I went to see this at the cinema, right? I was the working Glasgow up in, one. Yeah. yeah, I was working up in Glasgow, and I I was due to go see Girl on a Train. I just bought a ticket to the next film that we're on, and it was Girl on a Train with Emily Blunt. And you know when you watch the trailers uh, to a film, and you kind of like, you get an idea about what the film's going to be like, and there are all these dreary as shit drama trailers on, and I'm like, this is fuck it, this is going to be garbage, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> and I got my phone out before the film even started, and I saw the train to Busan was on next door, literally the next screen on from me. So I just booked a ticket and just <laughs> walked out and just walked past everybody, just walked straight into other cinema. I just shouted to the guy, I'll come on, I'll sort my tickets out in a minute. <laughs> and I just went in and sat down and watched train to Busan. Unbelievable. And yeah, and I, and I love the fact that you don't need to explain what it is. You don't need no. answers. It's a zombie outbreak. It's zombies. Yeah. Whether it's, I mean, 28 Days Later did it really well, I think, because it it was people infected with rage. And in that opening yeah. sequence, they just went, it's rage, you can't let it out, and you have done. And that's it. And that's the explanation. So that's enough. And I think when we get this American remake, I think we're going to end up getting some kind of explanation like that, because Americans need to have explanations. But well, so come on. But, Yeah, but that's, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. So I was just saying, so we follow... Um, 
we followed the story. I mean, this was a, an eight and a half million dollar budget for this film. And it made over 90 million at the box office worldwide. It was uh, released at Cannes. It was one of the most, uh, I think it was uh, over 10 million people saw it in cinemas in uh, Korea. It was an outstanding film and uh, the reaction to it was fantastic. It was one of the most popular of all time. Well, I think it's one of those ones where you're watching the visuals and the practical effects in it are outstanding. The way that, you know, whenever they finally decide the wee girl gets on the train with her with her father and the girl kind of just jumps on behind the conductor and you yeah. can see that there's something wrong with her. Um, you know, she goes into the toilet and then she starts, you know, contorting and things like that there. And the great, the best thing about the zombies in this movie is that it happens fucking instantly. Yeah, there's no, we'll, there's no, we'll fu- there's no. Gonna... <laughs> well, no, we'll come on to the zombies in a minute because I want to chat to you properly about the zombies. But, um, so yeah, so you've got Suan, uh, the young girl. She's being taken to Busan, um, by Shok Wu, her dad, uh, played by Gong Yu and Suan, uh, Suan Kim. And I mean, Suan in this is, um, child actors and child roles like this. I always think sometimes, you know, in foreign films, especially the kind of, it's very difficult for me to kind of get the emotion going when you're reading the subtitles and things. I think with child actors, but she sort of really handles this well in terms I, of that I think, child, but still determined. I think the, the, the reason why that is, is because she acts throughout this movie, how any child would act. Now I'm going to say this for this, right? If you encounter anything now, she is stone faced the whole way through, the, basically the whole way through the movie, right? Yeah. And whenever she's encountering stuff, you know, there's no real screaming from her. Or there's no real, ah, you know, over the top, you know, overreaction to the, the the events around her as an actress. I mean, they got there. She plays this terrified. Yeah. And it is such a relief that it's a zombie movie it's a zombie movie that there is nobody you know overly screaming their heads off you know they all know the situation like as any human being would if these things happen if these things fucking catch you there's no you know there is no time to be standing there screaming your fucking head off like no like you are there and there's fucking hundreds of people trying to run after you and eat your fucking skin you are terrified you know, you have to go into survival. It's fight or flight. You know, you have to go into survival mode. And survival mode doesn't take into the fact that you're going to stand there screaming for 15 minutes. And that's why I think she's brilliant in this movie. And we also had um, another couple, because obviously, it, it, so yeah, I keep dig- digressing, but it's father and daughter are on a train heading towards Busan. Uh, there's been an outbreak overnight. Um, the, you know, the government are trying to cover up at first and then they're trying to explain what it is and nobody knows. Um, they're talking about some sort of infection. They're talking about some sort of rioting. There's all sorts going on. And like you say, there's that moment. And it, again, it's building suspense. We're seeing all the different characters. We've got the school baseball team going onto the train. We've got um, a sort of an ex-gangster uh, and his pregnant wife. We've got the upper-class businessman, uh, the cabin crew. There's always the cabin crew. Fucking cabin crew. Bunch of bastards. Old ladies boiling eggs for each other. So we, we get all these characters sort of coming together. And like you say, that moment of suspense when he and, and again that you know what I was watching this last night and he's looking up the state, he's looking up the platform and he looks ahead and he's got his back to the train, the conductor, and he looks down the platform 
and then the, the infected woman runs onto the train behind him and he looks back. What was he doing looking ahead? She must have been running straight towards him as he well, was looking around. <laughs> there's there's that bastard. there's that and the fact that the other guy was at the top of the train looking out, waving yeah. at him. <laughs> and this, this, went, this girl would have come crawling, running, scattering across the platform. And he's looking directly out and goes, she can't be getting on this train. And looks up, <laughs> yep. And we get the um, we get the homeless man as well. We get the homeless man, who rather unfortunately in IMDb has got a character name of homeless man. Um, I mean, right, Parasite was another one of these, and you haven't seen Parasite yet, have you? No, I haven't. But it's an this Trent Busson and Parasite. Um, it's a lot about social commentary as well, and I yeah. don't understand enough about Korean culture to want. But you can gather from the social commentary is very much. Uh, the people with money, the people with power, the fund managers, the the business owners, they're the ones who try and succeed and leave everybody else behind. And it's actually the people at the bottom who are the ones who are keeping everything going. And uh, yeah, but go on, sorry. No, like the one, the one thing, I got that whole kind of social justice thing and I got the, you know, well, I jump forward a wee bit whenever they go into the cabin and they're trying to break into the cabin and they're all going, no, he's been bit, he's been bit. And it's the it's the CEO or the COO guy who's like, no, they've been bit, he's been bit, he's angry, he's been bit. At that stage, they all they all know that as soon as you get bit, you turn. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, come on. But that's uh, that's Young Suk. So he's the the sort of the villain of the piece. They always have a secondary villain in these films, don't they? They have the yeah. the William Atherton in Die Hard or whoever it is. And this is um, Yoo Sung Kim, who's playing a character Young Suk, and he is the the bulging eyed. It might as well be infected himself. Um, happy enough to to leave the rest of the train behind as long as he's safe. Don't want anybody sort of infringing on that. No risk, you know. And and, it, and it's it, it's a commentary, and I just think that's why it, films like this and Snowpiercer and films like that, when you can resonate with it and you can actually see things like that happen in this microclimate of a train under attack, um, I, I just think that it adds a lot more to it than just a simple zombie movie. I think. Uh, I yeah, really but but there's but there's everything involved in playing this. You know, you have obviously, you know, you've got. Um, I can't remember her name. Is it Shung Kwan and Shang He? He, the two guys. Shang Kwan, yeah. Shang Kwan, so yeah. Yeah. So I'll come on. I was going to talk about him, but yeah. So the the pregnant woman and uh, and her husband. Yeah. So you get the pregnant woman, the husband. You've got the guy and his daughter. You've got the two old elderly sisters. You've got yeah. the baseball team and the fan. You've got the the COO and the conductors. You know, yeah. there's so much at play, and you've got you've got the obviously the the driver of the train as well. The know, homeless so not, yeah, the homeless man. So they're not only dealing with all that stuff that's on the train, they're also dealing with the fact that they've got a whole pile of shit on the train and they need to get fucking off that train, but they can't get off the fucking train because everywhere around them, it, yeah. there are piles of these, these things. And, you know, everything is a play. And sometimes when you're, when you're watching it, as I said before, you get frustrated watching it going, why, why are you doing this? But then you catch yourself on going, yeah, they're building the suspense. They've got this. They, like they've got me. They've, they had like I, I, I was hooked. I was hooked from the first when the when the fucking deer was hit and the, yeah. the deer started body popping and fucking yeah. you know got up and walked away. But that's one of the things that I thought like the the actual practical effects of people when they turn was outstanding. 
well, from one thing I read that was they actually use um, sort of interpretive dancers and choreographers yeah. to in. And I think when you sort of zombies and things, if you want to do them in a particular way, you need to be able to move in a particular fashion. And I think for people, to, and the, and it can't have been CGI. It was no, it was people just moving their bodies, yeah. and understanding. There's the a, body. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few scenes. Yeah. yeah, there's a few scenes that are obviously CGI, but I, I, you know, the, the, like the way that the zombies react, like whenever they but they finally bust the door down at that station, and they all just pile on top of each other, but they're all trying to scramble to get to get away and trying to get trying to get to them. You know that that's how you would expect zombies to be, and I can't remember too many movies. I know I've not seen that World War Z with um, with Brad Pitt. You know, yeah. de- I think I think them zombies do the same thing where they try to climb up each other. Yeah, but, it's cascade you know, and it's like flowing like water. Yeah, yeah but, for but this, I think, it did it. I'd much prefer to see fifty zombies hanging off the back of a train than a oh. thousand zombies. Climbing up <laughs> what what a scene though! What mm. a scene! This is you right know, towards but, the end. I'm just I'm running um this is one I wanted to ask you actually I'm running a poll on Twitter at the minute um basically do you think zombies should be able to run um I get both arguments um I enjoy zombies who are who are able to run but I think the, the mass appeal of zombies is that there's always a fucking bazillion of them so you can't really get away from them no matter how fast they're moving yeah. but I think 28 days later kind of changed the game for everybody because what's worse than a zombie kind of stumbling after you? Yeah, it's one that can... Linford Christie. Linford Christie running after you as a zombie. Like, what the fuck? Well, the 30 and Nerdy re- podcast replied to us and said, this is their thought process. In Early on in the zombie virus's life, it would be rabid, uh, but with time it would slow down as the body decays. So as the lifespan of a zombie prolonged, they would slow down, unable to run. Well, I thought that whatever infects a, a zombie body would not allow the body to decay. Well, was it Romero said um, zombies? Well, if the dead people, more often their um, Achilles tendons would have been rotted away because they're decaying. And that's one of the hmm. first things that'll snap. So that's why they shuffle, because they can't bend their ankles to walk. So they especially can't run. Jesus, I didn't even put that much thought into that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say that they were fucking, because their Achilles tendon go, their fucking muscles and their feet go, and then their feet just fall off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, apparently that's one thing I read once, that the Achilles tendons or the, the all the muscles and stuff had been wasted away and decayed, so they can't bend their ankles to walk, so they have to shuffle along like zombies. Never anyway. even thought of that. So Sanghua, the uh, the gangster mob boss, or the ex, you know, the ex heavy for the mob, and his pregnant wife. I think they're the 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 comedy in this. He's he's hilarious. I think he is absolutely hilarious. I I so so much wanted him to survive. Yeah. Like I, but but you know that he's not. Like as soon as you see him, as soon as he start talking, as soon as he's you know he's he's quipping about the guy who is calling him asshole. You know, I thought he would. That's the one thing that that I, I thought he would call him asshole at the last minute. You know, when he's holding the door and the zombies bit him, and, yeah. and he would turn around him and he goes, "Yo, get her out of here. Make sure she's safe." I just wanted him to go, "Hey, thanks, asshole." 
and, and you know just just that one wee thing and I thought that would have just been the icing on the cake of it like but overall overall I really really enjoyed even her even her performance you know her connection with um with Suyan um in in the first instance where she got her to feel the baby and stuff like that there you know their their whole interaction um really super enjoyed that I, I thought he was brilliant well he's actually um uh Madon Sok forgive me if I don't pronounce his name he's actually been cast in the Eternals in Marvel's the Eternals he's got he's a, a, Gilgamesh no. yes he is yes yes I remember yes I, because I remember I remembered ages ago um seeing his face and then I thought I, I know him from somewhere and it's probably I don't even know where I've seen him from and I checked up I checked up his, his INDB and apparently he went to he went to university in America and stuff so he's obviously fluent in English like there's so much more of his films I want to see now though after seeing this and I've never well, been able to see him I've never found yeah I think now with all the streaming we've got that you're telling me there ain't more of his films on so I'm gonna be seeing more of his. I, I'll be honest I'll be honest I I mid early mid nineties. I was obsessed with things like Akira and uh, Fist of the North Star. Um, uh, then I got myself into like John Woo, you know, um, uh, A Better Tomorrow and things like that. There, like I fucking loved like them yeah, Asian language movies. And whatever has happened over the last few years, I have just kind of strayed away from you know foreign language films. And I, I just haven't, you know, gotten back into them. But you see, you haven't watched this. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, how, how many movies have, have I let myself not see just because I don't want to read the subtitles? Yeah, and I, I don't even notice I'm doing it. How many people put the subtitles on at home because they just want to be able to? I mean, I know some, I've seen so much on Twitter of people saying they have subtitles on, on when they're watching a program. Uh-huh. Sometimes you know there's accents I can't understand, or people speak so quickly, and people can read the subtitles. It's just reading and watching the film at the same time. It's more than more than possible. But I mean, well, like, I think I think yeah. our predilection, the predilection for a human being is now to watch a movie and uh, you know with their eyes, but have their phone still on in their hand is massive. Yeah. You know, you know. So like yeah. when I was watching this movie, the first thing that I did was I went to see if there was an English language thing on on Prime this to, to actually get overdubbed. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's not that function on Amazon Prime, um, so I couldn't write notes watching the movie. But I think that I would have spoiled the movie for myself had I put on the overdub and had I not been paying attention to most of the movie. I'm just looking on the, yeah, even on the, um, I've got the Blu-ray. And even on the Blu-ray, it's Korean with English subtitles, <laughs> which I think is good. You need to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you pay know, attention I, to any film you're watching. Like you say, you're bang on there. People watch the first, them. The, the first thing, the first thing that I did after watching Train to Busan was go on to <laughs> like the internet and write top the best ten Korean movies ever made. And I was like, right, yep. fucking old boys in there. And I was like, I've seen old, old boy, boy the host, fucking awesome. The host. I don't think I don't think the host was in there. Is it not? Right, hold on. Right, let's go to the list. So number number ten, one is obviously Parasite. Yeah. Number two was Parasite is worth seeing. Parasite is worth seeing. It's just, I think, if you were to see it fresh, like you're going to do, eventually, without all the Oscar hoo ha, I'd be interested in what you think. But I th- I think it's done a really good job. People who've seen it, people who have um, uh, who loved it. 
nobody's really got the cat out of the bag. I st- like I've said to you often, tell me what's what it's about, and you always just say to me, just watch it, <laughs> just just watch it. Yeah, and the thing is, if you haven't seen it by now and you don't know the story by now, I went to see it right, and all I knew it was it was a Korean film, it was a drama comedy, uh, and it was up for best Oscar. That's all I knew about it, and me and my pal went to see it, and um, I, well, you know what, it was that's more information than you've ever given me there. <laughs> that's it. That's all I, I had didn't. I didn't know it was a drama comedy. There you go. I always thought it was a horror well, movie. Yeah, but in the same way that you know. It's a Korean comedy. You know, there's some of the comedy hits home, but I think some of it you need to, to have grown up in that sort of culture to understand certain jokes. But it's yeah. still, it's still, look, it's it's a well-made film. It's very interesting. It's, it doesn't ram home a story like, uh, what was it, Okja? Do you remember that? I didn't see it again. Yeah, I've yeah, not was, seen it. That was might as well just reached out the telly and started slapping you in the face, going, "Become vegan, you cunt! Become vegan! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Become vegan!" But yeah, back to Train to Busan. So why, why infuriating then? I know there were a few bits for me, the guy on the Ev- train. Everything, off. everything just took ten seconds longer than it should. You yeah. know that it's like that instant where you're standing there and there's a whole pile of zombies running towards you. And then you look at the person next to you as if to say, do we get on the train? And then you look back and the zombies are a bit closer. And then you look back at the person, should we get on the train? And then you look back at the zombies that's we bit closer. Then you look back and go, let's get on the train. This is a dangerous situation. And then you jump on the train. It's just, like the scene from just get on Mon- the fucking train. It's like the scene from Monty Python's Holy Grail when the two guards are stood and uh, John Cleese comes running over the dun 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 and they kind of look at each other dun 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 dun. But that's but that again, you know, that again when when on the cold light of day when you look at it and you think about it, um, you know, it builds suspense. It 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 gets you kind of on the edge of your seat and it makes you understand within reason maybe one tenth of what the person on the screen is feeling. And I think that it, this movie, more than most, did that probably better than I've ever seen a movie do that before. Because I can't, I can't remember the last movie where I, I'm literally at the edge of my seat, screaming at the TV, going, "Just, just, just run, just run!" Like I don't know why you're still standing there. Just run, and you know, like even with the characters and stuff like that. There, usually, sometimes when you watch these movies, these foreign language movies. There's a lot of, you know, comic relief, you know, even I can't remember the guy's name, so forgive me. But the guy who uh, the muscly guy, um, Sanghui or Sanghui, Sanghui, um, even his character, you, you, there was a few couple of scenes where it was just joke, 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 joke. But I didn't mind it because it wasn't the whole way through the movie. The two old women, the two old women, like. They like you always under like they were not old women either. Like they were, they were no, no, no. Old. They were made, they were made, they were made up to look old. Yeah, yeah. They were, no, they weren't even made up. They were forty odd with wigs on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they were not old women. See, the one thing I wanted to pick up on that was right. I mean, I loved in the um where they used the fo- the phone ringtone to divert them, and he had a really cheesy ringtone. Yeah. And it that kind of little back and forth where he's he's the sort of dumb muscle. And I mean, that's sorry, I'm, I'm, I keep diving all over, but the moment where he's sort of wrapping his arms up and it's just like, you just, it, it just goes to take on a whole carriage full of zombies with his arms yeah. wrapped up, fist. You're just like, but I like, I like, I like his, I like his character because yeah. in, in, in them situations, 
you know, when they first stopped at the train station, you know, he, he's trying to get your man on the train, but he's also fucking sucking zombies in the mouth. You know, <laughs> he's, he's standing there and taking fucking bastards out. And then when he's on the train, you know, he's wrapping up his fucking arms, you know, I'm, I'll take them, I'll take the front, you take the middle, you take the back, you know, and he's literally just pum- pummeling zombies on the train. What did he say that the moment just before they set off pummeling? It says something like, um, I don't, I don't leave stragglers behind or something. He said, he said something to him at the moment where he's just basically saying, keep up with us or I'm going to fucking leave you behind. But then right at the end is uh, hedge fund manager. But yeah, just where they were joking on about his ringtone is like, you've got a cheesy ringtone. He's like, it's not, is it? It's not cheesy, is it? And you'd, I just love how he's, he's in this. But, he's, I, but, but he, turns around to, he turns around to the kid as well. As he goes, later on, can you show me how to change it? Yeah, show me how to change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know what? The one dumbest decision for me, and to, I will not get it to this day, and yeah, you could put it down to sort of human fear or whatever, was one of the old women. I don't know which one it was. She just basically sacrificed herself. She, she sort of had enough. Well, I, I think I think like that's it. I think that's part of the culture that we don't understand. Right. That okay. This this woman, I kind of got it in the way of I took it as, you know, obviously to explain it a bit, a bit of people are well, I suppose if you haven't if you haven't seen it, you're fucked out because we've kind of spoiled most of the movie. Like, um, yeah. If you get... if you've if you've downloaded a, a podcast called Train to Busan, <laughs> you pretty much, <laughs> pretty much know you're going to be getting spoilers. Like we're just going to talk about the whole film and go, we're not going to spoil a single yeah. film. film for you. But she's she's obviously seen these people come onto the train, and the people who are inside that carriage immediately turn on them. You know, just because of the word of this one person, and they just they they they, they fall under this guy's spell for some reason. They he says that they they're infected. They've come from the other carriage. You know, we've got to kick them out. They've got to get. You know, they have to go to the mezzanine or wherever they go to. And then she looks at the window and sees her sister as a zombie. But because the last time she seen her sister, she was alive, and they basically turned because they closed the door on them. They turned them into a zombie. And she sees her sister and goes, "You're all I've got in the world. Like, what's what's fucking life worth living if I don't have my best friend?" Yeah, I'm just reading a bit online. They're saying um, a few people are suggesting that that's more of a critique of um, South Korea's corporations and government. Uh, one person here, um, my heart is a synth, says the old lady in question opens the door because those innocent people, led by the corporate representative, actively decided against helping her sister when they had the opportunity to save her. It was a reput- yeah. rep- retributive act against a selfish bureaucrat and his mindless followers who were thinking over only of themselves on a commentary level it was a rebuke against the blind trust of authority and self-interested behavior that is a moral concern in south korean society if we were a good podcast we would have researched that before talking Paul, pretend, i just fucking said that. that's exactly that's word for word what i just said <laughs> but apart from the likes and the fucking mumbles yeah. and the stumbles that's that's exactly what i said but no look Fantastic. I mean, so spoiler alert, final spoiler alert for Trade to Busan. Uh, Peninsula follows um, Suan. Uh, this is, I think it's set sort of five years, five years we're on. Not, we're not going to talk about Shuk Wo giving up his life. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the final fucking walk up the, the, the train tunnel. Come on then. Come on then. So, yeah. All right. 
we mentioned the bit about the the zombies hanging off the back of the train. I've I've wanted to see if they did that for real. That can't have been CGI. But then again, who? Well, I, I think part, probably part CGI, part practical, because it was you know. But the amazing thing about it was when obviously when the one grabbed, the rest of them grabbed, and they all just formed this big fucking fishnet of bodies at the back, and then the ones at the back started climbing up the bodies that were hanging on to the train. And then obviously um, Shikwo was trying to fucking kick them and kick them and kick them. And then obviously we then find out that uh, the COO is the person who's driving uh, the train. Yeah, so Young Suk, the COO, is on the train. Um, Suk Wu and Suan, along with Song Kiang, have uh, basically managed to get from underneath an exploding train and stuff and are finally on this one train that is safe and heading out. And like I say, we found out that Young Suk has actually been bitten. He was bitten, wasn't he? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of expecting that one. I didn't expect um, Suk Wu to make it to the end just because of who he was. Ah, uh, no, but I, I genuinely, it, 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 it fucking broke my heart. When, I felt I felt more than I thought I would have done. Yeah, that that scene, the scene between the father and the daughter, when the father knows he's been bitten, yeah. was the daughter was, knows as well. Or sorry, the daughter like, but when he when he finds out and she finds out that they're bitten or he's bitten, that fucking pulled at every string of my heart, and I was just like, oh god, this is. F-. And it wasn't one of those kind of, it wasn't a sappy kind of emotional one. It was just a fucking raw. Because she was just inconsolable. And you would be. You would be if the one person who you're looking up to in the last what you know few hours that has kept you alive, you I, know, when you this, know that he's dying. See, that's what brought it home to me though. She wasn't even probably until about two thirds of the way through this film, she wanted her mom. The whole yeah. point of the film is because he's taking her to see her mom. It's her birthday, and all she wanted for her birthday is to get away from her dad. He'd been that negligent. He'd missed a life. He keeps buying her the same presents over and over because he doesn't he didn't listen to her. He doesn't acknowledge her. And she just wants to be with her mum or her grandmother or whoever. And then you get to this point at the end. And like you say, she's been so stony-faced and either strong and determined or scared stiff. But just that one moment where he says, I've got to go. And oh, it was hard. Oh, it was awful. And then, and then obviously at the end, it's we've only got um, Xiong Quan and Suyan left, and then obviously they're walking, they're walking through the tunnel. Uh, the train stops because there's too many fucking dead bodies to, and, and train carriages. But then we obviously don't know at the other end is the the South Korean army. And then the guy, the guy at the end, you know, is about to shoot, and then she starts singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Oh, don't! I, like I, I turned around to Rachel. I says, "If if they fucking shoot that wee girl, I'm gonna put my fist through the TV. <laughs> this is what's gonna happen." I must admit, when I first watched it, I thought it was gonna be one of those where it kind of fade to black, and then you just hear two gunshots. Uh, <laughs> Some kind of ending like but that. But it really, it's like, do you remember? Do you remember the end of the mist? Do you remember the mist? Oh Jesus Christ! Yes, yeah, I thought I thought it was gonna end up like that, and I was like, oh no, don't let's don't fucking do this to me again. Like the mess was a crap movie, but fuck me, the ending was was so bad. It was like, oh, oh Jesus. See another film. What was the other one I was thinking of? Oh yeah, a monster calls. Have you ever seen that? No. British film. Liam Neeson plays a tree, but <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> an actual tree. 
Yeah, yeah, it's an actual tree. But it's basically this young boy whose mother is sick. And it's kind of a sort of a, a pan's labyrinth kind of thing. You know, there's, there's this mythical oh, okay. sort of tree and various stories about coming of age and developing yourself and accepting grief and loss. Uh, and, and there's a bit of the end, and I'm not even going to mention it because I'll tear up, but there's a, a scene uh, and it just tears me apart every time I see it. And I was saying we trained to be so I watching it last night. I'm like, oh, he's got, he's got on the train now. I think I'll just turn that one off. Don't need to see any more of that. I, I remember what happened. <coughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to wonder what Liam Neeson does as a tree now. He's growls. It's not like it's not like plays a tree like in um, like in your t- nativity at primary school. <laughs> I thought he was like a Lord of the Rings tree. No, no, yeah, yeah, he is, but a bit more tree. What's it called? A monster calls. Monster calls. Okay, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, a twelve-year-old boy called Connor encounters an ancient tree monster who proceeds to help him cope with his mother's terminal illness and being bullied in school. Directed nah. by J. A. Bayona, who nah. uh, was famous for doing uh, destroying Jurassic World. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna watch that one. No, it's pretty. It's it's tough. It's tough. No, it's not even other stuff. It just sounds really fucking boring. No, it's not. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, boring. So anyway, Train to Busan. Zombies. Train to Busan gets nine zombies out of ten zombies. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can become nightmares. Come join me and get lost in horrific reverie about true crimes and eerie events. Reverie True Crime Podcast, available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. With nine zombies out of ten zombies... Please go and see Train to Busan. It's it's not on Netflix anymore. It was on Netflix for a while, but you can literally go and buy it for like five or ten pounds on Blu-ray or something. Just go two, buy it. You... £2.50 you can rent it from fucking Amazon Prime, and I cannot fucking recommend it high enough. It is such a great movie. Did Rachel watch it? She loves it. She did, yeah. She loved it. Absolutely she loved, loved it. Do you love, did you enjoy Walking Dead? Uh, I enjoyed Walking Dead up to the half point of the third season. Okay, Rachel loves it, don't you? She loved it up until the second half of the sixth season. Okay, I've never seen. I've seen one series of Walking Dead, the first series, and then I got bored. Yeah, just leave it at that. Would, would I enjoy? <laughs> I was going to say, would I enjoy more of Walking Dead because I enjoyed Train to Busan? No, just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the uh, fear of the Walking Dead is a lot better though. Yeah, but is it one of those where I have to have seen Walking no. Dead to what's going on? No, no, no. You don't have to. Watch, you don't have to watch the Walking Dead, but. Uh, it, 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 Walking Dead annoys me because the first half of season three was probably some of the best TV that I've ever watched. And then it but just turns... Mandalorian. No, well, yeah, but some of the best TV I've ever watched. I would put, I would put, I would put the first half of season three up there with with Mandalorian. Wow. Okay. And then and then it just jumped the fucking shark. Okay, well, that's that uh, deleted off the uh, <laughs> now watching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more to go at. Um, next week, then. 
What have we got next week? We've got uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie <laughs> Live Murphy. On the show. Uh, we are doing a movie menu of Eddie Murphy. Edward Murphy. Um, so we've both put this one together, haven't we? We have indeed, yes. So I think we've finally decided uh, next week for the menu that we're going to be bringing you, Eddie Murphy's best performances, a starter of Bowfinger. Yeah. A fish dish of Pluto Nash. Yeah. I mean, we could have, listen, there's, there's, do you know what the one thing is, right? I was sitting thinking about this last night. There are so many fucking Eddie Murphy movies that are amazing. I mean, I, I could have easily chosen 48 Hours for my starter. Yeah. You know, I could have easily chosen Norbert for dessert. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Main course, this was chosen by me. I think his best performance, Dolomite Is My Name. Very recent film. Um but very much back to form after probably 20 years of garbage and dream girls is, is finally done somewhat worth watching again. And it and is awesome. I, I um, understand. I understand that I would have chosen something else, but I understand it. What would you have chosen? Um, probably would have chosen Beverly Hills cop. See, I was considering Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills cop, but the one thing I thought was right. It's good in that Dolomite is great. In, but to, be in so much crap and be yeah. told you're in so much crap for so long and then to come back and knock it out of the park. It's like, I just think that's incredible for actors to be able to do that. I don't think he would have cared because I think Eddie Murphy probably would have been got paid between 10 million and 20 million for any movie that he's been in. Oh, is it? yeah. But he's given half of that any, to Mel B from the Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, that's right. And then we're going to have a dessert of Eddie Murphy raw. So it's the stand-up, but it's sort of a movie at the beginning, isn't it? It's like yeah, Michael Jackson thriller. Well, it's uh, yeah, but I mean, we listen. I like everybody in the eighties and the nineties. The, the way that we got, you know, uh, stand-up comedy was through tapes, uh, through you know, watching late-night movies. The, the first time that I saw Eddie Murphy Raw, I, it's probably the closest that I've ever been to fucking shitting myself with with laughter and you know obviously then going back and watching delirious um i i personally prefer delirious a wee bit better than more than raw um but raw is still a 10 out of 10 fucking stand-up show for me no outstanding so next week if you want to watch them with us we're going to be talking like say about bowfinger pluto nash dolomite is my name and raw um golden globes is tonight is it actually tonight? Yes, yeah, tonight. Virtually. Right, okay. okay. So we're going to do this for the Oscars as well. We might have seen the films by then. <laughs> for the <laughs> But for Golden Globes, we're going to have a bit of a game. We're going to, we're going to punt as to who the chefs think are going to win uh, the big picture and TV categories. Uh, so we're not going for the actors and stuff because we'll be here all night. Um, but we're going to guess who, the, who we think will win the main picture categories so drama motion picture calm uh you've got a choice of mank promising young woman the father the trial of the chicago seven nomadland i've seen two of them um i i'll go mank right 
I turned off Manka about 10 minutes into it. Really? Yeah, I need to go Look, back. And... Listen, I've I've been looking through all the you know the nomin or the movies that are nominated. It's a it's a very shit year. Oh yeah, nobody's yeah. Everything's been delayed. Yeah, everything's been delayed. But I'm going Nomadland. I think. I Will think, Francis Mack? Yeah, I think Francis Mack's going to carry that one. Um, music or comedy motion picture? Your options are music by Sia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the prom, which apparently is absolute fucking garbage. Um, Hamilton, Palm Springs, or Borat subsequent movie. Uh, well, it's either going to be Hamilton, Palm Springs, or Borat. Let's just be honest about that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. If music wins, it's fucking travesty. Uh, I, I, uh, just because it's not ha- good. For- is- is Hamilton like is Hamilton something that they've filmed while these guys are on stage, or is yes. it the actual right? Is it like fucking the Patriot, but they're they're singing in it? Who was fucking the Patriot? <laughs> um, Imagine singing while fucking a Patriot. It's a stage um, musical. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to talk between Palm Palm Springs and Borat for me. I think because it's an American audience, I think they'll go Borat. Okay. You know it's the voted for by the foreign American film. foreign press. Yeah. Foreign press. I Italy Borat. Yeah. Uh I'm going Hamilton. <laughs> of course you're going Hamilton. Because Lynn Manuel Miranda doesn't need any more money. Dude, it is incredible. If you like st- if you like musicals, if you don't like musicals, you won't like but it. Do you know what, do you know what I'm gonna do, right? Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna watch Hamilton this week. Shit. Right. And you see, you see if it's shit, Paul. I'm gonna just harass you on the phone for for the next ten years. No, because you already now are conditioning yourself to find it shit, just so you can. No, rip not. The you no, will. I'm not. You will. You just went there, or is it like the Patriot, but with singing in it? Well, no, yeah, because I wanted to know. I because I wanted. <laughs> because I wanted to know if it was like actually just filmed on the stage, or if they went out and like did set pieces. Oh, and like Les Mis. Is it like Liam is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nah, it's on stage. Well, that's boring. Why? It's just Why is boring? boring. Why is that boring? Do you know what's terrible? Do you know what's terrible? Plays. They're fucking <laughs> awful. <laughs> They're fucking awful. And you know it and I know it. They're fucking awful. <laughs> now, now imagine them singing while they're doing a play. <laughs> Drama series. Uh, you've okay. got the Mandalorian, Ratchet. Stop it there! Stop it there! It's Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, uh, the other ones are Lovecraft Country or The Crown. Yeah, I'm doesn't matter. As well. Doesn't matter. Oh, do you know what? The no, fucking foreign press love some British shite. Oh yeah. Downton Abbey gets got nominated uh, all the fucking time. Do you know what? Should be Mandalorian. It'll be The Crown. No. What do you think it will be? I think it will be the crown. I want it to be Mandalorian. I'm going Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> um, best miniseries or TV film? Your options are Small Axe, The Queen's Gambit, Normal People, Unorthodox, The Undoing. Queen's Gambit will win it. Yeah, you know what? I haven't seen any of these. I've seen so Queen's Gambit. It's good. It's good. 
again, is it just about somebody doing playing chess? It's a bit more than that, yes. But and Hamilton, yes. Bit, and Hamilton is a bit more than people just singing on stage. Thank you. I'm gonna Jesus. do. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do what I do when I'm betting on the Grand National. I'm going to go for the one with the daftest name. So I'm going Small Axe. Uh, never heard of any of them. So, but you're going to say you go for the Grey Horse? <laughs> I can't see the Grey Horses there. <laughs> <laughs> Always go for the Grey. Always going for the Grey. And animated. Wolfwalkers. You got. You didn't even let me read them out. Because Wolfwalkers is winning. Is it? Yeah. Have Have I missed something or? Why? Uh, you've got Wolf Walkers, Onward, Soul, The Croods, A New Age, or Over the Moon. Wolf Walkers is Irish. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I'm going Soul, because everybody loves a bit of Pixar. Um, so, yeah, we'll stick with the four four categories. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll try this out and see how long it takes us to go through them all next week, because... We've got about 15 of them to go through for Oscars. I don't think we should do like best clothes and best sound. No, yeah. What we should do, Oscars should be the top five. Actor, actress, movie, director, screenplay. Original screenplay or adapted? Yeah, original. I think we should do adapted as well. Six Anima- six. Animated, animated movie? I don't give a shit about animated movies. Best foreign language film? Don't we're, give we're a shit about foreign like oh hold on that's my thought before <laughs> I watch Train the Busan I have to change my mind now top five that's it that's all we're doing alright top five right so uh, next week Bullfinger Pluto Nash Dolomite is my name Eddie Murphy Raw this week Train to Busan you're going to go watch Hamilton there'll be a quiz on it next week we're going to go watch the Golden Globes I'm going to do something what am I going to do <laughs> I don't have a fucking clue what you're going to do. I'm going to retire I, for the evening. I tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to watch We Can Be Heroes again. Oh, is it that bad? Fuck me. <laughs> That's all I will say. Why do you say this one minute before we say goodbye? Suddenly, it's, <laughs> oh, by the way, I've got a perler of a review this week. <laughs> That's it. Well, That's my review. That's my review. Fuck me. Goodbye, everybody. Love you. <laughs> Take the last train of Pottsville and I'll meet you at the station. You can be here by 4.30 because I've made your reservation. Don't be slow. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because I'm leaving in the morning and I must see you again.